One of our favorite things to do here at Beyond Healing Center is therapeutic retreats. Our retreats are three to five days with holistic wraparound services, all designed to meet your personal needs and goals. You can choose from a menu of services, including EMDR, trauma-informed massage, nervous system-informed yoga and movement, and even equine therapy. From the moment you arrive to the moment you leave, we've crafted this experience to be one of safety and healing. Whether you're interested in a retreat for yourself, or if you're a therapist interested for a client, we would love to talk to you about how our retreats can be a part of a healing journey. Contact our retreat coordinator at therapy at beyondhealingcenter.com or visit our website at beyondhealingcenter.com for more information. Welcome to Beyond Trauma, a podcast from therapists for clients about the healing journey. We hope this will be a resource of encouragement, comfort, insight, and understanding for you along this courageous process. Hey guys, welcome back to Beyond Trauma Podcast, a guide for your healing journey. We're excited to be here today. We've got Melissa, Bridger, and myself, Jen, ready to talk to you about trauma and the question, how did I get here? So we want to explore the depths of the definition of trauma, what you guys may already know from hearing it from other therapists or people, um, and then maybe even looking at a new definition, a new way to identify with that concept and that idea of trauma. So Melissa, will you start us off by just walking us through the technical Mm -hmm. definition of what trauma is? Yeah. So I think most people, when they think of trauma, they think of things like PTSD. And the examples that usually come to mind would be war veterans that have been in combat, sexual assault victims, things like that. So when when therapists go to diagnose something like trauma, we're looking at the technical definition of what is PTSD, who qualifies for a diagnosis of post-traumatic stress, etc. And one of the things that you'll notice is that not everybody agrees, but what we're going to do is kind of walk you through all of the different ways that therapists look at this and share with you what our perspective is and what we see is most effective when we're working with our clients. Um, But to start with, we want to share with you that there is a diagnostic manual that as therapists we have to use if we have to give a diagnosis. Now, for those of you that are in therapy, um, you may wonder, well, do I have a diagnosis? Maybe my therapist hasn't actually even talked to me about that. And there's a good reason for that. A lot of therapists don't actually um, feel it's necessary to give an official diagnosis in order to do good treatment. Mm -hmm. And most of us feel that way too. Do you guys agree? Oh, 100%. Yeah. And... The, the reason why sometimes we have to is for a really practical reason. It's called insurance, yes. right? And in order to get insurance to pay, we have to have a diagnostic code and it has to be really official and all that stuff. So if you have a diagnosis, just know that that's often because of that really practical reason. Um, but the manual that we use for making the, the decision about whether somebody qualifies for a diagnosis of PTSD. And the PTSD being post-traumatic stress stress disorder disorder. yeah yeah Yeah, there's several criteria that somebody has to meet in order to qualify for that diagnosis and frankly it's a pretty narrow set of criteria Mm -hmm. it really excludes a lot of people's lived experience of what we consider to be trauma but what that technical criteria is that therapists have to use is you've either had to be directly exposed 
to a trauma that is either death, threatened death, actual or threatened serious injury, an actual or threatened sexual violence, and it has to be either it personally happened to you, you saw it happen to somebody else right in front of you, or you learn that it happened to someone close to you, a relative, a close friend, etc. It also can be indirect exposure, meaning that it happened, you heard the story of it vicariously, usually through job. So for instance, therapists can have indirect exposure by hearing traumatic stories. Um, paramedics, right? ER doctors, people like that, that are exposed to really intense situations. It didn't happen to them, they didn't see it happen, but they were vicariously exposed because of the work they have to do. So in order to get an official diagnosis of PTSD, it has to be that significant, right? And that personal and close to home in order for it to count. Even mm-hmm. historically, if we go back, I mean, that's a newer version of the mm-hmm. DSM, the mm-hmm. manual stating that. Yep. Historically, if we go back, it was even more narrow than yeah. that. Right. right. Yeah. Even more rigid on it being like directly being yeah. exposed. Right, that Not indirect exposure. Right. Yeah. So right. that's a fairly even like refined version, mm-hmm. and then we're going to take it 10 steps further. Right, yeah. Right. And I think in that as well as uh, I like the word that you using of qualifying because I think this is helping us know where a threshold is to where, okay, this person needs to receive treatment specifically for PTSD mm-hmm. or uh, maybe another alternative route would be better, but it's right. that threshold idea. Right. Yeah, like, is it bad enough? Yeah, qualifying. That's right. Um, Some of the other criteria that have to be there in order for them to qualify is that the traumatic event is being re-experienced in some way, and that can be just through the memories coming up repeatedly. Nightmares is a really common one. Flashbacks where there's an actual um, physical re-experiencing of the event in some way. Severe emotional distress and a physical reactivity. We, we use the word hypervigilance, right? Where our, our body is really jumpy, mm. right? It reacts very strongly to things in our environment, things that we would call an overreaction. Mm-hmm. Um, so that has to be there. And then there, there's also um, a cognition, meaning a mental component and a mood component that has to be there. So negative thoughts and feelings that got worse after the trauma. Um, Sometimes that shows up as memory difficulties is one that we see a lot of Mm -hmm. people having a hard time remembering either details of the event or even they're just struggling with short-term working memory in their day-to-day life. Um, You know, it used to be easy to learn things and now suddenly it's a lot harder. I used to be able to concentrate at work and now suddenly I'm struggling to concentrate. Um, Feeling isolated, um, difficulty feeling good, right? Like just having a pleasant mood or or a good day is getting harder. And not feeling interested or excited in things that you used to feel interested and excited in, right? I used to love to play this sport and now I can't bring myself to do it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel fun anymore at all. Um, also we talked about the hypervigilance, but also the startle reaction is there. Um, and that's showing us the symptoms that are starting to happen in the nervous system. Difficulty sleeping is a really common one. And then here's another thing that is tricky as a clinician is that all of that has to last for more than one month before you officially qualify for that diagnosis. And the symptoms have to be bad enough that there is a true functional impairment, right? So 
that it has gotten bad enough that you are no longer functioning well in your day-to-day life. It's disrupting your work. Mm-hmm. It's disrupting your physical health. You're now having marital issues or parenting issues as a result of it. So it has to get to that degree before someone actually is going to qualify for an official diagnosis of PTSD. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, as I, as I hear you run through those, I've read that how many times yeah, before, right. but I have so much like, I don't want to say dismissed it, but like <laughs> you can set but it aside yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's so narrow and specific. And what we know is that like the impact of trauma on any level can have a major impact without meeting that criteria exactly. right. and yeah, really deserves exactly right. to be seen and noticed and yeah. spoken to, even if it doesn't meet that specific criteria. Right. 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 So, An easy example of that would be a trauma that we all experienced together, which was 9-11. Yeah. Right? So previous to that addition of the indirect exposure, that, that would not have qualified anybody, mm-hmm. right? Well, okay, so now we add in the indirect exposure to that. So people that somehow were up close and personal with the aftermath would qualify, but nobody else would. If we just saw it on TV, that wouldn't yeah. qualify. And yet we had people, you know, how many clients come in, they're still having nightmares, they're still having flashbacks of that. They're talking about it. It left a major, major impact on them. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, as a society as a whole, there was yeah. a major impact that happened. What we're going through and now. What we're going through That's now right. in the Everything pandemic. Everything we're yes. facing right now with the pandemic. Recording yes. it here yeah. in 2020. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Happening in real time. Mm-hmm. That's right, yeah. I think um, one thing, uh, Jen, I appreciated you mentioning um, that it is narrow in that way and that a lot of clinicians have a similar response and that they move um, towards their own understanding or, or perhaps only lean on the diagnostic manual when they need to, uh, you know, do consultation or to, to refer out for a med consult or mm-hmm. to a doctor of some kind to get uh, a, a medical intervention as well. And I think in response to that, the therapeutic community has come up with different ways of approaching mm-hmm. their definition of what is trauma. Um, because, you know, as someone uh, who has gone through trauma, let's say you're not meeting those criteria, so then you're supposed to say, oh, well, I guess I don't have trauma, mm-hmm. so i got to keep looking for something else to explain why I'm going through what I'm going through. And I think that that's exactly why this is our first episode. Yes. Right? Because this is of, how do I get here. Yeah, like yeah. some of you guys might be wondering, like, well, why are you talking about this one diagnosis out of all of the other diagnoses that are possible? And the answer to that is because we believe that this is how everybody gets there. Like this right. is the genesis of all symptoms. All in one symptoms. Way or the and I want to reiterate that because that is something that bears repeating yes. <laughs> is that there is not a symptom that originates from something that wasn't a trauma. Right. Now, if that's startling to anyone, <laughs> yes. or if you look at a system yeah. saying like, no, like I'm, I'm not traumatized, yeah. 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 sit patiently with us yes. and hear, hear the rest of this, because I think as we go a little bit deeper into how we would define it, yes. it can start to make a lot more sense. So yes. that big idea can feel like a lot, but it can be a powerful switch Absolutely. when we can start to see it differently. Yeah, and you might feel as if... Um, once moving into this definition of trauma that we're going to share and then how we um, see that being uh, rooted into our treatment, it might feel like uh, a light bulb mm-hmm. in yeah. some sense that, oh, now... Hopefully it'll feel like a relief. Yeah, like it a makes breath, sense of things a fresh that air, yeah. have been very, very confusing. Thank you for seeing me. Yes. Yeah, yeah. in that way. Um, yeah, so the therapeutic community has seen quite an evolution um, in non-diagnostic language towards what is uh, 
what is trauma? And so one of the concepts that came out uh, on the side of that diagnostic language is the difference between a big T trauma and a little t trauma. Um, this is to kind of help therapists give a, give a distinction for increasing clients' understanding of what happened uh, to them and how it might be impacting them now. So the big trauma would kind of bear some resemblance to the PTSD, the DSM mm-hmm. language of, you know, this is a, a very significant um, life-threatening, life-threatening violent, violent event yes. um, that happened to you or that happened to someone you know or that you uh, became aware of. Um, and then to answer that question, well, what about what falls outside of that? Well, that would be what some would call the little t traumas. These can be... Uh, really anything uh, depending on who is experiencing it. Um, Trauma is experienced, that little t trauma would be talked about as being experienced differently by different people Mm -hmm. and what might be overwhelming to someone might not be to another and so it kind of just sought to meet the person where they were at, validate their experience and then give them something to come into therapy knowing uh, the direction of. Right. I think that piece of um, what some one might see or experience as trauma, someone else may not. Right. That comparison piece as a client or, you know, it's easy to look at that and say, well, my situation isn't trauma because they also went through it and they're fine or they're, you know, like it it wasn't trauma. It's not as bad as this other person's experience. But to really say like, we're just going to look at our individual experience and how our system processed Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. That's how we determine. And I think we do that comparison even within our own stories. Oh my gosh, yeah. Right, so if we have like something that we would consider a big T trauma, then we end up comparing all the other events of our lives to that and saying, well, it wasn't as bad as that. And I got through that okay, right? right? I managed that really awful illness or that death scare or whatever, and that's not bothering me. So why is this thing bothering me, right? Why am I I upset about this? Why am I having depression or anxiety symptoms Focused on this issue. Yeah, Yeah, I've gone through worse. And we end up diminishing and minimizing our own experience. Yeah. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. because we don't understand that Mm -hmm. sometimes those things are just as or more impactful than the big stuff. Yeah. Yeah, The big T, it's like in your face. So obvious. And I can call it trauma. Right. The little T. And other people yeah, other people will agree with me. Yeah. There's no question. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And really I think for me what um helps understand what I'm looking for in understanding trauma and how we work with it in the room is what is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, that, as we'll kind of keep talking, um, has been the grounds for what has come out in the contemporary uh, therapy scene as a better understanding of just looking at what is overwhelming to the person where they were at, regardless of time, regardless of previous experience, just what was overwhelming to you. And that being um, something that, uh, sorry, this is just coming to me now of a thought, but um, there's something within um, counseling theory that's called the diathesis stress model. And if you think of a cup of water, um, and depending on where that water is filled up to in the cup, the space that is left is how much tolerance you have for what um, might come to overflow. And that overflow is our feeling of overwhelm. So some mm-hmm. people have less water in the cup. Some people have more water in the cup. And as 
more water gets added to it, which these are stressful experiences, uh, things that might be overwhelming, they start to overflow that cup. And that being a good uh, kind of representation of some things might overwhelm you, some things might not. Mm-hmm. And that might be different to other people. And it might also be different across your lifespan. Absolutely. Depending be, on where, right. how much room you have at the time. That's right. And what we're learning um, from a lot of the research within the nervous, nervous system and uh, polyvagal theory in particular is that um, co-regulation can actually lower the amount of water that's in the cup to start. So that can also help you return back to uh, uh, safety and in so that So let's way. just highlight that right there. Through therapy mm-hmm. and we can talk about all those big giant words you just said yes. what that means but like through therapy we can decrease the amount of water we start with like mm-hmm. we don't have to live our lives right on the just edge. trying to keep it yeah. from overflowing yeah. and just barely skimming the top like we can actually go in deeper when we understand what it is that determines how much water we have yeah that's right and start to decrease that yeah i really like that analogy like yeah motivating Mm -hmm. and like filled with hope yes absolutely Mm -hmm. and so to get to the foundation for me of where i see uh, a helpful definition for trauma um was out of a uh article from duros and crowley in 2014 they published an article called the body comes to therapy too and I loved that title, number yes, one. Just too. jealous that they found it first. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they define uh, trauma in a way that I have not heard before. And so I thought it was uh, very powerful. They define trauma as uh, whenever something comes into our space, into our internal space, that is too much too soon, too much for too long, or too little for too long. And I think that just really opens up um, our understanding of what could be considered trauma or overwhelming to us. Mm-hmm. Too much for too long, mm-hmm. too much too soon, or too little for too long. Let's give an example of each of those. Like what would be trauma think, that is too much too long? Yeah, well, so to start, the too much too soon, so I too think, um, it is what people would, you know, kind of as we said, no one would doubt that that was traumatic. So a car accident, mm-hmm. a violent experience of some kind interpersonally, an abuse of some kind, that uh, too much too soon. You know, it, there wasn't an, a, there wasn't a space at all to process what was happening in that yes. amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, that could also have to do with the age of the person. Absolutely. Right, that too soon to me speaks of they weren't ready to handle that right. because of how old they were, yeah. whether that be physically or emotionally or yes. mentally. Yes. If it was too much to process too early in their life, you can have the same impact. Yeah. If I'm eight years old and responsible for my three little siblings. That's right. Not even like from a neglect standpoint of parents aren't there, but I have a single mom who says, I really need you to help out. Right. You've got to help carry the weight around here. Too much responsibility. Right. Yes. Where and those are the those are the stories that um, you typically hear people scoff at the idea that that was traumatic. Right. Yeah. You know, somebody who has that story, um, they're going to carry a lot of responsibility through their whole life. Yeah, and themselves, mm-hmm. and just say, "No, I figured it out. Mm-hmm. It wasn't traumatic. I figured it out." Yeah. And, and may I, even and feel I proud. It. Yeah. I yeah, we're here. I took care of those kids. Yes. Yeah. And now I'm successful and I take care of all these other things in my yeah, life. And, not to and mention, why am but, I having panic attacks? Yeah, and anxiety too. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, I'm having trouble not washing my hands all the time. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so whatever it might be manifesting as. But um, yeah, so that too much, uh, too soon is um, kind of what people would associate with obvious 
traumatic experiences or obviously overwhelming experiences. Then you've got the too much for too long. So these uh, I would associate just at a gut level with um, something that was mildly distressing but it lasted so long. Um, it could be even moderately distressing that lasted too long but it didn't fall into that first category of too much too soon. Um, and so it's too much for too long. So this could be something like um, a relationship mm-hmm. that um, has um, some aggressive tendencies to it or just overly disrespectful or maybe edging on abusive um, that just lasts uh, long enough to overflow your cup in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys have other examples that come to your mind? I was just mind? thinking of like financial difficulties. Oh, that's a great right? one. Right? I can yeah. be, you know in an uncomfortable financial position for a month or two and maybe I'm okay but if that goes on a year. for six months a year a couple yeah. years and every single month I'm scrambling Dry for it yes yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, then, yeah, yeah exactly. I could have handled that for a short amount of time and bounced back pretty easily mm-hmm. but that begins to erode so quickly that's right because of the yeah just the constant stress it's like that version of it with the analogy with the water in the cup it's the slow drip that never ends oh, that's and eventually yeah. it'll overflow. yeah and I think that can also be some people's experience of their childhood, kind of as right. you were saying financially, but even um, lack of attention or uh, yeah. yeah, something like that where it um, was too much uh, too long or into that final category of too little too for little. too long. Too long yes. Yeah, so those two kind of working in tandem to give validation to all experience in that way of not having a care provider's attention for... Um, a moment isn't anything we can't come back from, but you extend that out to uh, a three-year-old not having a loving attention uh, and affectionate presence for a month, mm-hmm. six months, maybe their entire childhood, yeah. you're going to have some really um, pervasive uh, problems yes. that come out of that. Yes. It even comes to mind in that of you know growing up in a home where feelings aren't okay. You know right. maybe That's, all of yeah. my needs are met and right. mom and dad are physically present and we have really nice things and get to do a lot of great stuff, but my feelings aren't okay. We don't right. talk about emotion. Right. That's it's not okay to cry. It's long. not okay to express anger. Yeah. 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 And so all of that. Um, so that definition is one that I've come to really appreciate, and it's kind of changed how I view. Uh, or perhaps just given language to what I intuitively knew in reading the DSM and saying, well, it's pretty rigid mm-hmm. and a black and white understanding There's like that. Be more. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Like, so I don't have trauma, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, then why do yeah. I feel the way? That. Yeah. yeah, like I will show you. You know, yeah. Well, with this other definition, I sit here and think, okay, now I could list it all out. And these are these yeah. life experiences that were overwhelming. Mm-hmm. They were a lot. And not to say that, you know, I'm not you know, I'm falling apart as a human, but they have had an impact on how I see the world, how I see myself, Mm -hmm. how I manage stress, how I manage relationships. Like they influence those. Absolutely. I feel like that's a huge shift that has occurred just culturally when it comes to people's understanding of what therapy is for, Mm -hmm. because for a long time, therapy was for the people that were not functioning. Right. Right. You're like, it's either go to therapy or you can't work anymore you're going to a a institution of some kind you have to be medicated right it had to be so severe before anybody would consider getting help of any kind but there's been a real shift in people's understanding of when they need help Right. right and when help might be appropriate and now there's this openness to this idea that 
I deserve help, even if I'm okay, right? Like, even if I'm functioning okay, but just to help me have more life satisfaction. That's right. To help me get more out of my relationships, to help me feel, you know, good in what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis, to not have to expend energy managing depression, managing, you know, anxiety, bouts of anxiety every once in a while, that I want to put my energy towards other things, and I deserve to get help to resolve these issues that are causing me problems. Yeah. And I, I think that shift is beautiful because now we actually get clients coming in and saying, I'm mostly okay, yeah, but I but just, I I, yeah, thing, I just want to work yeah, on this a little yeah. bit. I want to be able to, you know, do this and do it with ease or, you know, I want to go back to school and not be anxious, right? So it's more about these self-care goals and yeah. self-optimization goals yeah. rather than I only do this if it's my last resort. Right, right. Yeah. One final thread before yes. it all separates. Yes, yeah. exactly. Like well, I'm only here because my wife made me come. Yeah, there you it's go. either this or divorce. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That still happens yeah. sometimes too, guys, sure. and that's okay. Yeah, the cultural revolution <laughs> isn't done yet. Right, we're in process. We're always in process. Yeah, yes. it's part of our mission. Eventually, sure. it'll just be mandatory that everybody goes to therapy for at least a year of their life just to make sure go. that they're all straightened out. I feel like that answers our question for the episode is do yeah. I need therapy? Yeah. And our answer is yeah. Why not? Yep, absolutely. And and I think the shift is this. Everybody deserves help. Yes. Right? It doesn't even matter. It's not about need. Yeah. It's not about whether it's bad enough Mm -hmm. for you to get help. It's that you deserve assistance. You deserve a clear mirror. Yeah. And that's the point that I um, work towards getting to with all of my clients and, and part of you know, so I have that theoretical understanding of what trauma is, but on a very practical level, um, we're talking about the development of a human being here. The people that we're seeing in therapy, and if you're out there um, reflecting on your life, as I'm sure you are just Mm -hmm. hearing the way we're talking, knowing that that shaped you into the person you are today, that means that there's significant points that are meaningful, valuable, and we need to honor that in talking. Um, about it and recognizing what it did. So um, to me, this is really about shaping nervous systems. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I think that point alone is from that Drus and Crowley uh, article of too much too soon, too much too long, or too little for too long. That is having direct molding you know, capacity yes. on our nervous system. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, a thing that just really crystallized the importance of that for Mm. me was becoming a mom Mm. and basically when you have a child you are handed a tiny undeveloped nervous system wrapped in a blanket and says here shape a human yeah exactly and the tools that we use to create that shaping we can't use words right right which we like to use words in therapy however you're going to hear us talk a lot about other ways of shaping nervous systems And so when you're thinking about the negative impact, yes, words have an impact, those experiences have an impact, but it also matters what your home felt like. Mm -hmm. Like what what was the environment that your nervous system was developing in on a day-to-day basis? Was it soothing? Was it fun? Was it nurturing? Or was it anxiety? Is there a lot of hidden rules that you had to follow? Yeah, did it feel like there was, you know, emotional landmines everywhere and you had to walk on eggshells all the time? And that absolutely creates a, a pattern for our nervous system yeah. for the rest of our life. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. So yeah. people, because of that, can be predisposed to an anxious style of a nervous system yeah. or a depressive style of a nervous system. Yeah, that's right. And that's what we mean by saying that these, these traumas are the, the root 
of every symptom yeah. that we see as therapy. And I think um, if you're listening to us saying, you know, why are we talking about my nervous system? Isn't that what keeps me from getting a cold? <laughs> and so <laughs> I think sometimes we gloss over that. Maybe we should say what it is. Right. Um, what but, we mean by that. Yeah, yeah, what we mean by that. So your nervous system um, is responding to things uh, that you don't even know are in your environment. Your nervous system is also helping you and uh, without your awareness, automate your body to respond to whatever is in your environment. And that includes externally Mm -hmm. and internally. So our internal environment of, I'm feeling this way, oh, I'm hungry, I'm, you know, or Mm -hmm. I'm feeling anxious, why am I that way? Yeah. Yeah. Your nervous system is what is basically, you know, pulling the strings of your body to use the puppet analogy. Mm -hmm. The, The nervous system is what is making all of that happen. So if you think back to our definition of trauma and the language we've used, that is to say your, na- your nervous system is being shaped, what we're really talking about is your response or perhaps your understanding and then your response of what is happening in your environment can actually be warped. Right. And it's that warping, that shaping of the nervous system that will lead you to a response that you may not be conscious of or that you may uh, have no choice of, and, mm-hmm. and you just find yourself doing it. I think the the DSM diagnosis of PTSD gives a lot of language to that, of these flashbacks, mm-hmm. or these avoidance of places right. that you can go the to. The hypervigilance. Absolutely. Yes, the nightmares. All of that yeah. is showing us that this is a nervous system in distress. Right. It is Sending a nervous system that SOS. is overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah. Things safe. are not okay yeah. in here. Yeah. I need help. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, just as people are thinking about their own stories or people that they know, this begins to answer all kinds of different problems that we see. You know, why does someone struggle with addiction? Because substances help us regulate our nervous system. That's right. They calm us. It's a lifeline. Yeah. Why really Why are we overeating? Well, because food tastes good and it helps our nervous system calm down. Why am I not eating? Why am I not mm-hmm. eating? Control. Why am I watching eight hours of Netflix? That's right. Why am I buying so much on Amazon, Bridger? Yeah, exactly. We'll be talking about that. No. <laughs> Don't talk about that. Sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. Too many personal That's an acceptable addiction. Right. No. Right. <laughs> right. Chocolate, wine, what? Yeah. Um, Boyfriends, girlfriends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. But yeah. I think like we're able to see all of these patterns of behavior as the body's attempt to regulate and calm a nervous system that is struggling. That's right. That is overwhelmed for whatever reason, and it's looking for a way to calm down. Yeah. Yeah. And just to connect our thinking here... Just to connect our our thinking here, you know, we started the episode by saying a big scary sentence that is any symptom finds its root in a trauma. Right. Mm -hmm. So as we've worked on our definition of trauma and what that means and then mentioned the shaping of the nervous system, this is what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. When the nervous system is faced with overwhelming events, whether it be, as we said in our definition, too much too soon, too much too long, or too little for too long, it is going to have um, patterned ways of responding Mm -hmm. that are conditioned. You know, if you think of a muscle, you do a workout and it gets bigger, well, your nervous system is a lot like that in a lot of ways. You, you start to fall into a rut of responses that um, are, are sometimes out of your consciousness, but um, the journey of therapy then is to start to address what those conditioned responses are and, and to ask, is this how I want to continue living mm-hmm. my life? And it's not just about stopping that pattern. Right. It's about understanding understanding why did this make sense at the time? Why was this literally the right choice at the time to help me survive? 
and bringing a lot of self-compassion to that and gently offering new opportunities for the body and the nervous system to try try something new that's right and I think one of the one of my favorite parts of being a therapist is that we get to offer a safe space for someone to try something new that's beautiful Mm -hmm. yeah right Mm -hmm. to just do a little experiment and see what would it be like if instead of doing that thing that you always do Instead of getting defensive, instead of going into argument, or instead of immediately going into shame, what if I just stayed right here? Sorry about the sirens, guys. (laughs) What if I just stayed right here and felt what I was feeling and trusted that this might be a safe experience? And as therapists, part of what we get to do is kind of hold that space for people and make sure that it stays safe and that if things get tricky or things get emotionally difficult, that you have somebody there to guide you through that in a really gentle and, and safe way. And to me, that those are the days that it just is like, oh my gosh, I love my this job. This is the work. This is yeah, the best. This is amazing. Telling people that they need to stop doing something is like my least favorite so day. So disinterested yeah, to me. Yeah. I'm, I'm over it, right? Yeah. I had to do that for a lot of years when I worked in a drug court program. Nowadays, I would much rather talk about the why yeah. and talk about the root issue that is bringing all of these symptoms up because it always lets us come to the situation with deep compassion. Yes. And also, it lets us come with tremendous hope because it's not about just stopping the behavior and how successful you're going to be at that or not. It's about really understanding how this got created in you. I feel like too often we accept those patterns that we're talking about is just that's just who we are yeah. I'm just a worrier it's my lot in life mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Um, can't change it and come by it naturally or my whole family's like this right. I hear that a lot too yes. all the women in my family are so really I get it from my dad so all yeah. I think there is well you have generational trauma right. yeah. this pattern this pattern is literally passed Wait, down to you yes. past my life yes <laughs> right. and this idea that's oh, I've been this way as long as I can remember so this yeah. is just what I have to live with like this is what my life is right and when we come to that acceptance, there isn't a lot of hope in therapy. Right. Or it's all focused on how do I just manage myself right. in this mm-hmm. way? How can I find any joy now? Yeah. How yeah. do I tolerate yeah. and just manage and regulate the best I can? Yeah. Versus when we're looking at if, if it ties back to a trauma, which a trauma is really a life experience that is overwhelming, therefore your brain stores it differently. Yeah, that's right. That means we can go back to that experience and work on the reprogramming the storage of it mm-hmm. while shaping the nervous system. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love that definition of trauma because it lets us see, it, it, it lets us look at uh, kind of so what you were saying of some of those um, responses that we chose at the time. Mm-hmm. And it's so important to honor those choices. Like we're saying, we're not saying stop this behavior. And when we look for the why, we're, we're looking at what made that a good choice at the time right. to choose food right to control your nervous system mm-hmm. to choose a dating site or alcohol mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Uh, depression mm-hmm. or a- anger anxiety because it was the best you could do at the time right right that is such a foundational understanding for the work we do with our clients because that's the trust that we have of the body to right. do what it can the problem is is that it's no longer the best thing to do yeah it's now causing us much more pain than helping us. Mm-hmm. And so therapy, then, Jen, to your point, it's, do we want to continue that? Because mm-hmm. we yeah. don't have to. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's another option. We don't have to. And I think that's one of the first things that we often talk with clients about is there is another option. Hope. We yeah. don't have to band-aid this and say you're going to have to battle this depression the rest of your life. You're going to have to 
you know, use medication to manage your anxiety the rest of your life. Although all of us really support medication. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely. Time and a place. 100%. Don't hear we will talk that. about yeah. We will talk about the proper use of medication yes. because it's important. Um, but I think that, you know, when we're talking to clients about the journey, right, the beginning, middle, and end of therapy, it's so easy for me to speak sincerely from a place of absolute hope yeah. that things can get better. And trust in it. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. And I mean... I, I share this with clients a lot. Like I have that story, right? right? Like I had a decimated nervous system. Things yeah. were not going well. I technically did qualify for the full on PTSD DSM five diagnosis and the journey to come back from that and heal a nervous system. I know in my bones yeah, that it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's so powerful to be able to share with people and say, if this body could heal, if Trust this me. yes, yeah. like if this dysregulated nervous system that was using anything and everything, especially Netflix and any, anyway, yeah. all all my you know very creative ways. <laughs> I was doing the best I could at the time, guys. Amen. Yes, you were. <laughs> and it was right. And but to know just how far it's possible to really come as far as what what a nervous system is able to learn and relearn right. how to do. And thank God for all of my people that, you know, mm-hmm. co-regulated me through that whole experience and retaught my nervous system how to relax and believe that I am safe in my life now. And once that felt really true, there was a, a literal physical shift that happened. Mm-hmm. For me, all my stuff was so somatic. And to feel the shift that literally happens in your body. All of those physical symptoms that you're having and you're wondering what the heck they're about. Your migraines are about this. Yeah. Your constant stomach aches are about this. Your fibromyalgia, likely about this. All of those IBS. weird, yeah, yeah, IBS, absolutely. Oh, yeah. All of those symptoms for me, the majority of those are completely gone since having all of this Did you treated. say gone? Gone. I don't get <laughs> migraines anymore. I haven't had one in years. I used to get them, you guys, ibuprofen every other day. Absolutely. Every other day. Every other day. Had to. That's how I survived. No more. Pain. All day long. Every day. I don't know if it's you're gone. listening to this and with your jaw on the floor. I've heard her say that before, but it still makes my jaw fall to the floor. Because it's beautiful. That's the yeah. hope of therapy. Yeah. And I think I think for me, like I, I do speak from that place of like, this is my lived story and it matters so much to me that other people know you do not have to put up with anybody ever telling you that you are limited by your current state, right? Yeah. You are healable. You are not broken beyond repair. If anybody yeah. has ever suggested that to you, well, I won't tell you what I think about them, but just know that it's not true. <laughs> I'm yeah. preaching slightly. I love no. you all. If you, if you yes. have this story, please yes. know. Like, that's why I'm so passionate about this, because right. I, I want people mm-hmm. to know that there's hope. Yes, and, and from a, a therapist's perspective, I think throughout my training and then in my experience, therapists deal with this differently. And so as you're considering going into therapy or if you're hearing this or or whatever you might be thinking um, wherever you're at in your journey just know that um, the therapist does really matter it does of of who you choose and who you trust to do this they have to be sacred work with you I mean it really is in that way well and if you think about what we were talking about earlier how much the therapist is there holding that safe space for you while you try and experiment a new way of existing in the world if you don't feel safe with your therapist then it's really hard to feel like you can run those experiments and try something new and take the risk of existing in yourself in a brand new way right so yes just I mean it takes time every therapeutic relationship we're going to build that relationship slowly and gently but there is absolutely room to 
interview people yeah. and Absolutely. find the right we'll fit. Time. The yes. details of how yeah. to find that right guide. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to use those words, therapist and guide interchangeably. Like a therapist yes. is really part of guiding you through this journey. Yes. And we'll talk about how to find that. I think that's episodes to come. Yeah, yes. absolutely. And one of, I think I'm with um, my friends here recording this, so I think I can speak for uh, a natural aversion that all of us have to what we kind of call whack-a-mole therapy, yes. which is yes. smashing one symptom to find another one to replace it. Right. And um, never dealing with the root. Right. I don't want you to be angry anymore, so I'm going to teach you how to be anxious right. so that you control your management anger. management skills. Yeah. yeah. Behavioral modification. Right. Um, so know that that isn't what we're talking about either, and right. we'll kind of show our cards there as well. Right. But this is, uh, this is a... a as I mentioned earlier, a sacred space where a guide is one of the most important parts of this. Agreed. And finding one that resonates with you has this has a similar vision of what you want mm-hmm. to to accomplish and a way to get there that is honoring to your process and loving and compassionate the entire way. That's a good fit yeah. with a therapist. But we will talk a lot more about that. Yeah, how to find that person and yeah. how to know when you found the right one. Yeah. yeah, and if you can't, what to do. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point too. So I hope all of this material just opens your minds and helps start to you kind of on the exploring process. I also want to acknowledge that this can be could be slightly like dysregulating sort of overwhelming. and overwhelming yeah like, i remember the, yeah the first time that someone yes. told me that i had ptsd it was not a pretty moment to be honest <laughs> i was really, a little the upset the first time yeah. i heard trauma redefined i played back my life yeah. interesting how many things came just, forward to yeah, say just me say like yeah. oh that and that you know and started this list and i, I just did it again yeah. as we're recording this you yeah. know just relating and so i'm sitting here thinking those of you who are listening that might be happening to you right now yeah, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also want to just maybe talk through a moment of like re-regulating that. Yeah. You know, this wasn't part of our original no, plan. No, I love but, it. Like, Please. It's important. I know that it happens. get yeah. re-grounded and maybe set some of those things back aside where they belong in a temporary holding place where yeah. we can go about our day and continue to function without that awareness on the forefront of our minds and then know that we can come back to that when it's safe and pull it back out with someone we can trust yeah. And really work on that together. Yeah. I think it's okay to set that aside. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Give yourself the space and, and um, the care to set it aside. Yeah. And immediately after this episode, there will be a brief recording that you guys can listen to of something called the container exercise. Mm-hmm. And that's a just a brief recording that will walk through what Jen is talking about, where it lets you take all of the material that may have come up while you're listening to us talk and just put it in a safe place temporarily so you can revisit it later mm-hmm. um, because we have to pick our moment, right? And the most important thing is that we're paying attention to ourselves and knowing, is now a good time to really address this or do I need to wait? Yeah. Um, it is really normal, though, that when this kind of stuff gets stirred up that sometimes it's hard to put it away so the container exercise is a way to make that really concrete um, and there's other skills that you can use as well if you know self-regulation skills deep breathing go for a walk all of that kind of stuff but we're going to include that exercise so that you guys can use that definitely yeah so um We hope that you have enjoyed this uh, episode of Beyond Trauma. And uh, if you'd like to stay connected with us, you can follow us on our social media. That's Beyond uh, Trauma Podcast. 
And we also uh, have uh, a Patreon uh, for this podcast, which is patreon.com slash beyondtraumapodcast. And that is a great way not only to stay connected and, and up to date with uh, new and additional resources, but it also helps us support this uh, financially, which is huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do this uh, for free right now. <laughs> and so we're hoping that uh, as, it, as it starts to become helpful and relevant to more people that we will get a, a bigger family in that yeah, way. Yeah. And the nice thing about Patreon too is it's a space for us to share more resources That's with right. you guys. So um, our goal is, is that we'll be adding content to that regularly. And uh, if you listen to that container exercise, it's mm-hmm. those kinds of materials that will be on there. Um, along with a lot more, more conversations. Yeah. yeah, just just things that we find helpful for clients, things mm-hmm. that we want you guys to have access to. So go check that out, patreon.com slash podcast. Yeah, that's right. So, all right, we will talk to you guys again soon. Safe journeys, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Trauma, a psychotherapy podcast from therapists for clients about the journey of trauma recovery. While resources like this can be helpful, they should never take the place of or be used as therapy. We encourage you to find a trauma-informed therapist in your area to be your guide in this healing journey. Take a minute to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Spotify, and we would appreciate it if you could leave us a review. You can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at beyondtraumapodcast.com. Thanks again for tuning in.